When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, Husker fans. Welcome to episode 191 of the Husker Football Fan Podcast. I'm Mike Harvat. In today's episode, Justin talks with Aaron Brightman of the SB Nation website On the Banks about Nebraska's 2020 matchup with Rutgers. You can find us on the web at huskerpod.com or by searching Husker Football Fan Podcast on Facebook. You can also connect with us on Twitter by following at huskerpod or email us at huskerpod at gmail.com. This episode is brought to you by Central Nebraska Buffalo. Check out their website for the latest deals, cnbuffalo.com. Also brought to you by Monty Rohde with Pinnacle Realty in Lincoln. Looking to buy or sell a home in Lincoln or know someone who does? Hit up Monty at 402-770-3356. We're excited to have Aaron Brightman back on the show today. Uh, Aaron is the managing editor of SB Nation's blog On the Banks, and uh, it's good to talk to you again. First time since 2017. I can't believe it's that long. It's been that long, but uh, thank you so much for having me back on. Yeah, pleasure. It's yeah. nice to talk about something fun for, for a change. Yeah, no, no kidding. Yeah, these, these conversations have been a lot of fun for me, for, for, definitely for that reason. Um, so lots of turnover for both of the teams uh, in question here, new coaches for both since Nebraska and uh, Rutgers last played. Was Chris Ash the coach when Nebraska played Rutgers in 2017? Yes. Yes, he was. Uh, that would have been his second season, okay. um, which was his most successful. Uh, they went four and eight. And uh, if I remember correctly, Rutgers was relatively competitive with Nebraska in that game um, and were for most of that season. And after a year or two, it really kind of fell off. What, uh, what do you think happened? Um, well, uh, recruiting, it was not successful under Ash, uh, year three and four, they won three games combined. Um, you know, I, I think it was also a lack of identity. Um, you know, he was, a, a uh, came in as a very successful defensive coordinator, but the defense never really, uh, you know, showed much in terms of having any strengths, um, you know, obviously, the, uh, they, they were worn down quite a bit at times, uh, special, uh, especially in second half of games, because the offense was, was really awful uh, in the Ash era. Um, and I think that was a big downfall as well in that he, he really didn't have a philosophy offensively, mm. um, different offensive coordinator every year, mm. um, and uh, just never gained any traction on that side of the ball. And um, while the defense was, was decent at times, um, really fell apart towards the end. Did he make it to the end of the season last year? No, he was actually uh, fired after the fourth game of the season. They lost to Michigan 50-something to nothing. And, oh, uh, yeah. you know, it was at a boiling point with fans at that point, although we didn't think he would get let go that soon, simply because he was – the thought was he was kept for year four simply because they didn't want to pay the buyout. Um, but I think things got so bad and so apparent that there was no chance he was going to turn things around that um, athletic director Pat Hobbs made the made the move and um, – you know, uh, definitely kind of 
uh, Cup fans, you know, uh, from from rioting basically, and um, was able to start the search uh, earlier than expected. Um, but I think it helped, you know, get things off to to the right foot this off season by bringing in Greg Schiano pretty much right when the season ended. Um, and it, it, I think it helped the re, the reset of uh, the the new coaching regime. So, uh, was he the number one option, or you know? I feel like his name, he's had a tough go of it uh, trying to get a head coach position uh, since the Buccaneers. I mean, how, how did that all, how did it work out that he came to be coach? Yeah, well, that's a very good uh, question and interesting answer because um, there's a lot of kind of uh, speculation. I mean, most, it, it seemed that the athletic director, Pat Hobbs, Shana was not his first choice. He was very clearly the first choice of Rutgers fans based on his first, uh, first stint um, you know, uh, from 2001 to 2013, uh, excuse me, 2012, uh, you know, he was arguably the most successful Rutgers coach ever, uh, bringing them to, to several bowl games in a row, winning them. Uh, you know, Rutgers had, although a lot of history before Shiano um, being the first, um, you know, program to ever play college football, they did not have much success. So he basically had the most successful seven, eight-year period that Rutgers has ever had. Um, so it was obvious that Rutgers fans wanted him back. He expressed interest that he did want to return, but there was, there was definitely a dog and pony show for a while. Um, basically to the point where talks broke off and Rutgers fans basically rallied and said, you know, didn't, didn't accept the fact that he wasn't going to be the next head coach. Um, there was a fundraiser that, that, uh, a grassroots fundraiser, um, basically pledging, uh, ended up being about $300,000 that fans pledged. Wow. They would donate to the program if he was hired. They um, really wanted him. They really wanted him. Wow. You know, I know it's hard for people outside of Rutgers to understand why. Um, well, but, success you know, I think is success. People want to go back to their glory days. Nebraska's chasing our glory days still. So. Exactly. Well, and I think, you know, it's proven and, and no one anticipated what this offseason would be like, obviously. But, um, you know, his, his, his relationships with New Jersey high school coaches – his reputation um, has really helped with uh, getting off to a good start recruiting wise this off season. Um, like no other, you know, other than a, a truly big name coach that would, would have come to Rutgers, which we know wouldn't have happened. Um, I don't think anyone would have been able to, to, to get off to the right foot the way he has the last few months um, in returning. Um, and just, uh, you know, listen, people forget he was the big 10 recruiter of the year at Ohio state. Granted, I, I get it. He's recruiting Ohio State. Um, but uh, he, by nature, has always been a very good recruiter. He had great relationships in New Jersey. And people were just, um, uh, you know, really hungry to uh, be able to, to rekindle that. And I think um, he's he's uh, brought a new enthusiasm to Rutgers football around the state, you know. Um, and uh, he's done a really good job with the 2021 class. Uh, obviously they'll drop a little bit in the rankings, but they've been in the top 20 nationally uh, the last couple months. Um, and I think more importantly, he knows the type of players that he wants to bring into the program. Um, you know, he's getting a lot of three stars, obviously. He's got one four star. They're in the mix for several others. It's going to obviously take a while before they get marquee players. But at the same time, you know, there's a lot of confidence that him and his staff, uh, and he's hired a great coaching staff, that they know uh, – they're going to be able to bring an identity back to the program pretty quickly, I think. Huh. Is he going to try and um, duplicate what he did previously, or is he going to try – has he changed his philosophy at all since then? 
I think he has. I think, you know, defensively, they, they were uh, – Rutgers was a, a very good defensive team under him, uh, Shiano, the first time. Uh, but they were known for kind of undersized, speedy guys along the line, uh, a lot of overachievers. And you see now with his current recruiting class, he, he he's adapted and understood that they're in the Big Ten, and that's not going to necessarily oh, work. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so they, they're really – they've added, and, and that's part of why the Ash era failed because they had a lot of guys that just – physically weren't Big Ten players, let alone talent-wise. Um, so Shiano's really uh, infused a lot of size, a lot of speed um, already uh, defensively, both with graduate transfers, regular transfers, and then the recruits he has coming in and, and currently committed in the 21 class. So I, I think he's adaptable that way. Um, and then offensively, you know, he um, read a, a true uh, pro-style offense his first time. And, um, you know, he's hired Sean Gleason as offensive coordinator, who was most recently at Oklahoma State, um, mm. and a true spread offense. So he's embraced the changes in college football. I think, you know, uh, he also just in general, his approach and, um, you know, uh, he seems a lot more adaptable uh, coming in. I think being his, his uh, like you said, kind of some of the uh, failures he's had at other stops, I think has humbled him a little bit. I think his experience at Ohio State was really important just for him to understand the value of, the university, you know, was kind of infamous his first time as, you know, trying to siphon all the funds as possible for football and not really um, being a team player with the athletic department, you know, and other programs where now Rutgers has had a little bit more success with other programs. He saw with basketball this past winter what that can do for his recruiting. He was at every game. He had recruits um, mm-hmm. very visibly at basketball games. So I think his attitude in general, it just seems like kind of a um, – little bit of a, a changed man in a positive way so far. That's exciting. I, it's so funny or not funny is maybe not the right word, but I, I just know following like Tennessee's coaching search where they flirted with him for a little while and got pretty hot, hot and heavy, I guess. And then there was a uprising from the fan base to hear now that the fan base that had known him was actually throwing their own money at him. They were so desperate. That's uh, that's got to feel good. It's nice to be wanted. Yeah, it was definitely full circle for him. And, uh, uh, you know, the Tennessee thing was, was tough to watch, you know, on our end uh, because, you know, he, he really has been a stand-up guy. You know, he graduates guys. He, he, gets, he brings good, play, uh, good people into the program. You know, his first run, I mean, it was very likable teams, uh, overachievers in the sense of that, you know, they were known for, for really working hard. Um, you know, they, they lost some games, you know, you kind of look back what, how they lose those games, but they also won some games you didn't expect them to. They were always competitive. And I think that's what you'll see. You know, I, I don't expect a lot of success uh, his first season. Um, you know, it's going to take time to turn the roster over, but I think um, the transfers he's bringing in, depending on who's eligible, um, you know, could be help right away. But I think you're going to see a competitive team that, that fights hard and um, at least has a, an identity in terms of what they're doing on both ends of the uh, ball um, and, and certainly will, will be a, l- a lot more respectable than they've been at least the past two seasons. So, so understanding you got a new coach, bringing in guys, and you, you mentioned before we were recording that there were no spring practices. So acknowledging all of this, uh, w- what do you anticipate to be some strengths and weaknesses of this team this fall? Well, they have they do have a few uh, intriguing returning players. You know, Isaiah Pacheco uh, was a 
very uh, solid running back for them in his career. Uh, and I expect, uh, you know, Gleason, the new offensive coordinator, to really utilize him better. Um, he had an All-American at Oklahoma State. And um, before Oklahoma State, he was at Princeton, where he was um, had the, one of the most successful offensive teams in FCS history. Uh, they went undefeated his last year there. So I think he's, he, you know, if anything, the staff, I think, is going to understand how to utilize the personnel they have. Um, Pacheco is really a, a, you know, bruising running back uh, that, you know, I don't want to say mishandled in the past, but I don't think it was utilized as well as he could be. Um, I think that, that you'll see a lot of uh, um, uh, RPO on the offense. I think uh, Noah Verdral is a transfer from Nebraska. Oh, yeah. I didn't um, even bring that up. That's right. Yeah. I, I, me I, to I, it. Well, but I didn't scoop you to it. But, uh, yeah, I think, you know, and, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on him. But, you know, listen – for, for what Rutgers is right now, I think they couldn't have done better in terms of bringing in uh, a, a capable quarterback that has some Big Ten experience. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure he has some flaws, uh, but I think that that uh, Gleason and Shiano will, will cater the offense to really uh, cater to his strengths. And I yeah. think the key as a grad transfer is he has two years of eligibility. Right. So I think it really gives him an opportunity to to work with him and, and build an offense. Uh, you know, I think their offensive line will be pretty bad again. Um, but between Vidral and Pacheco at running back, and then they have a senior, um, Bo Melton, who has been decent at times, um, underperformed for his career, was a four-star guy coming in. But I, again, I have confidence that this staff will figure out a way to get him more involved and, and be more consistent. So, you know, they have a few pieces on offense, but um, it's certainly, it's certainly going to be a challenge. But uh, I, I'm looking forward to at least seeing um, some type of um, – you know, uh, basis of a, a strategic, uh, you know, week to week, I think we'll, we'll see some creative game plans. It's uh, year one's about culture change, right? Absolutely. So you'll see that. Yeah. I mean, to talk about Noah real quick, I mean, we were all Husker fans. We were very sad to see him go. He was recruited by Scott down to UCF when uh, the Riley staff didn't, didn't recruit him. And um, when, Scott came to Nebraska, he transferred, even giving up his scholarship, because he had to be a walk-on if, uh, in order to, for the transfer to work out at that time, and he eventually re-earned his scholarship. Um, so he was a legacy Husker player. His uncles and father, I think, played at Nebraska. Uh, Matt Turman was one of his uncles, who was a backup quarterback in the 94th season, and so real legacy guy, um, hard worker, very smart. I think 4.0, if not near 4.0. And um, his strength was that he knew Frost's offense inside and out. And so he was not quite as athletically gifted as some of the guys ahead of him. Um, But he could run things at a clip that uh, the more athletic guys couldn't. So, um, you know, he really needed spring practice to to get that leap. Mm -hmm. He needed spring practice. And and not having spring practice, I think, was – meant he wasn't going to overtake Adrian um, mm-hmm. and that you have a lot of Frost has continued to recruit great young quarterbacks. And, and so you've got Luke McCaffrey on, on the roster and now uh, Logan Smothers. Um, so younger guys that, you know, they're hungry too. So his opportunity to earn playing time kind of disappeared thanks to COVID. And, and so the moment, I think almost the universal reaction from Husker fans is you hear he's transferring and you say, it." Well, that's probably the best thing for him, you know. So yeah, uh, hopefully he has some some great opportunities. Hopefully he can get some wins. Hopefully he doesn't get killed because there, it sounds like there's no offensive line to protect him. 
Um, and uh, we'll all be watching and rooting for his success with Rutgers uh, in the coming years, except for when they play Nebraska. Well, that's good to hear. And uh, it's interesting you mentioned about his grasp of the offense, because uh, one thing Gleason has stressed is, is, is really trying to speed up the offense, um, run a no huddle, be able to operate quickly. Um, you know, and I think that that makes sense. You know, when you, when you lack talent, you need to try to give yourself some type of sure. edge or a uh, way to, um, you know, create some opportunities for you. So I, th I think having a quarterback that um, is bright and able to um, understand the offense and be able to em uh, execute uh, is going to be obviously key. And, and I think, you know, although obviously no one's declared him the starter yet, I would be shocked if uh, well, they're gonna, okay. they'll give him every opportunity to. Uh, you to beat me to my next question. I was going to say, I see the presumptive starter. So in your mind, he seems like the guy to be. I would say so. I mean, Art Sikowski returns. He's going to be um, – uh, well, this will be his third season in the program. He got beat up as a freshman. He was a four-star guy, um, but didn't have a ton of experience in high school. Um, and, uh, you know, his freshman year just got beat up really bad. Uh, I think he led the country in interceptions. Last year, he started to develop his last couple uh, games. He, he looked really good. Um, and then he sat out the rest of the season when um, Ash was fired. Uh, he was able to redshirt because they mm. completely changed the offense on him. Um, and, uh, you know, I think it was the right decision for him. Um, but it's, he's, he's really not a, um, you know, spread offense type of quarterback. He's not very mobile. Um, he's really kind of a traditional drop back passer. Uh, so, like I said, I'm, publicly they're saying it's an open competition. But um, I yeah. think the draw fits what Rutgers wants to do now offensively really well um, and is a good kind of – first two-year quarterback to be able to lay the groundwork um, and uh, be interesting to see, you know, how that battle actually goes. I think, you know, um, certainly at a disadvantage, not having spring camp for, for the whole program, you know, changing coaching staffs and systems. But um, I think that, uh, you know, that, that probably gives Vidral even more of kind of a leg up in terms of he already kind of understands what they're going to want to do offensively. Well, if you're looking to up your clicks, um, write about him and we'll, re we'll retweet it and every, you know, you're going to get a lot of readership from Nebraska um, the next two seasons. If you're writing about him, I can guarantee you that. Um, so you, you seem, you know, this is a transition year for sure. I mean, glancing ahead at the schedule, what do you think is possible for this team to achieve wins and losses wise? Well, you know, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's definitely hard to say, being that, that, you know, they just returned to campus yesterday, um, so they've yeah. had no formal practices under Shiano. Um, I do think that the coaching staff is assembled. It's a, it's a very veteran um, staff. Uh, almost half the staff has worked for him before. So I do think there's maybe not the word advantage is wrong, but that there's certainly um, some continuity that the staff already has, which I think will help in this situation. Um, you know, I think uh, that they'll certainly be more competitive. You know, in terms of wins and losses, it's hard to imagine more than three wins, uh, I think, uh, realistically. Um, and, uh, you know, I, but at the same time, I think it's, for, from Rutgers fans, the, the biggest comfort to take is just how they look on the field in terms of, you know, like I said, playing together as a team, playing hard. I think you'll see that from day one. Um, and I think it's about building the foundation for year two, um, you know, offensively, you know, Rutgers, even before Ash, I mean, Rutgers has had, since Shiano left, um, I believe it's 11 years in a row, uh, Rutgers has had 11 different offensive coordinators. So oh, building some consistency on offense. Terrible. Um, yeah, it's pretty, pretty ridiculous. Um, 
And, and, and some of that started under Shiano. But I, I, I think, again, I think he's committed to this type of offense. I think he understands this is where college football is. is. Uh, right now, uh, the kind of offense recruits want to play in, and I think uh, they'll stick to that. And I think Gleason will be here for a while. So I think that, if anything, is is hopeful for the future. And then defensively, he's got a very veteran staff that he's worked with before. I think they'll certainly be improved. Um, and, and I think you'll you'll see, you know, less mistakes. Um, but, you know, anything more than three wins, maybe one Big Ten win, you know, maybe yeah. two. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, it all depends. But, um, yeah, I think – Listen, if they went three and nine and were a lot more competitive in terms of the margin of defeat against the Blue Bloods, I think he, he, you know, it would be about as successful of a season as, as Rutgers fans could realistically expect. Gotcha. Glancing at the schedule here, it looks like you get uh, your crossovers against the teams from the West or teams that were in the bottom half of the West. So us, uh, uh, Illinois, and Purdue. I start the season off with Monmouth and Syracuse, then go to Temple, and then go to Ohio State uh, for a little homecoming for Shiano. Uh, uh, host Illinois, go to Purdue, host Indiana, then Nebraska, uh, go to Maryland, all the way to Maryland, uh, host Michigan, go to Michigan State, and then host Penn State. So, yeah, that's a, that's a, the last uh, three games there, Michigan, Michigan State, Penn State. That's a, that's a little gauntlet there. Yeah, Big Ten likes to schedule the end of the season well for Rutgers. But um, but even, you know, listen, there's no easy games on the schedule. Even Monmouth, you know, they were an FCS playoff team last year. And, you know, they're an in-state team. So, you know, they're, they're going to be out for blood. Uh, they're going to be looking to, to you know, uh, come out with a win. Um, Syracuse is an old Big East rival. So, uh, you know, I anticipate that won't be an easy game, although they had a disappointing season last year. Um, you know, they have some, uh, Dino Beavers has been there, you know, a few years now. So I'm sure they will be, uh, they have a leg up in that sense, second game of the season. And Temple is an old Big East foe too, that, you know, uh, recruits a lot against Rutgers and usually, you know, uh, fall short on that end. Um, but I think they'll be, they'll be, they'll be fired up to play Rutgers as well. So there really is no easy games in the schedule. Um, so that's why I think anything more than, you know, three would be, uh, you know, it's sad to say, but it would yeah. be a, yeah. a, dream, yeah. a dream first season for sure. It's good to have uh, healthy expectations. Um, final question here comes from our friends at the As on Big uh, podcast. Uh, how long is the rebuild and how high is the ceiling? It's a good question. Um, I think that's been a big debate with Shiano coming back. I think it's, you know, what I've said in the past is that I think it, it raises the uh, basement quite a bit from where Rutgers yeah. has been. I think they're going to be uh, very capable to be a middle of the pack Big Ten team most seasons. Um, the ceiling's another question. You know, is, is he going to be able to bring them uh, a Big Ten, you know, division title? Being in the same division as Michigan, uh, Ohio State, and Penn State, you wouldn't think so. Um, but, I listen, I, I, he, I think he's capable of having a – a very good second tenure. I think that, you know, most seasons, six and six, seven and five should be, I don't want to say the goal, but I, I think uh, should be the goal in terms of really being kind of a, a bottom bottom tier type season. I think anywhere from six to eight wins is realistic for him year over year. I think he can build it that way. I don't think they'll be embarrassed or have these, um, you know, the way they've been under Ash and even at the end of Flood. Um, I think we know he'll run a clean program, and uh, that, that uh, which wasn't the case under Flood. So I think that from that perspective, he'll run a respectable uh, program, and I think they'll be very competitive. I think they'll be middle of the pack. You know, I think you know uh, 
really for Rutgers, realistically, they need to be better than Indiana and Maryland most years. I think Michigan State potentially, you know, is kind of in flux right now. So I think that the opportunity is there um, to, uh, to, to, to be a 6-8 win team most years. I think it's going to take probably till year three or four um, to get there. Uh, but um, I think that once they do, like I said, with the relationships he has, and, and he's no one really in any sport has been able to recruit uh, New Jersey like Shiano has at Rutgers previously. I think that's a key. You know, the Blue Bloods have come in, including Notre Dame, for years and taken the best players. So if he can start to turn that around a little bit, you know, that, that really would be the key to the ceiling, I think. Um, if he can start getting five of the top ten New Jersey players year after year, sure. then, yeah, I think – He's got a shot at really taking them places they haven't been before. But worst case, I think realistically, you know, you're looking at a, a middle of the pack, uh, you know, bowl team year after year, hopefully. Well, you know, uh, Nebraska has a, a history of, of recruiting a handful of great New Jersey players uh, who've been real impact players. I think Wisconsin's had a run of running backs from they New have. Jersey. So uh, yep. yeah, there's, there's talent, there's talent. And uh who knows? Maybe if uh, if Shiano can lock down that talent, that makes our lives easier by uh, shutting down the pipeline of running backs to Wisconsin and <laughs> and all that. So, we'll hope so. Yeah, yeah, for both of our sakes. Well, this has been great, uh, Aaron. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, where uh, where on social media and the internet can our listeners find your work? Uh, yeah. Uh... Uh, it's Aaron, A-A-R-O-N underscore Brightman, B-R-E-I-T-M-A-N uh, on Twitter. And then uh, OTB underscore SB Nation um, for On The Banks on Twitter. And uh, we're on Facebook as well and uh, Instagram and all that. And then OnTheBanks.com is where you can read our stuff uh, on a daily basis. Awesome. I'm serious. You write about a lot about uh, No Vedral. You're going to have a lot of Huskers reading your stuff. So. Well, I think <laughs> we'll have a lot of reasons too. So I'll, I'll make sure I tag you in some of the... That would be awesome. We, please do. <laughs> I'll be looking for it. Looking forward to Thank it. Thank you right. so much for having me on again. Yeah, it was a pleasure. Uh, are we playing next year? I don't even know. Uh, no. No, okay. Uh, I don't think so. You know, I, I honestly, with the schedule, I, I, I just put it this way. I hope we have a full schedule. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Well, hopefully well, we can we'll talk, talk again soon. soon. All right. Take care. All right. Take care. Thanks again to Mr. Brightman for joining us on the podcast, and many thanks to our sponsors. If you're looking to buy or sell a home, we recommend Monty Rohde of Pinnacle Realty in Lincoln. Give Monty a call at 402-770-3356 or send an email to monty.rohde, that's R-O-H-D-E, at prglincoln.com. He'd be happy to partner with you. Also, Central Nebraska Buffalo is restocking many of their items this week, just in time for the 4th of July. By the time you listen to this podcast, it might be a little late in the week to have something shipped out, but if you're local, you can always select the pickup option or check out many of the locations that sell their meat in Lincoln, Omaha, York, and elsewhere. All right, folks, that'll do it for this week. Um, obviously, we're not addressing some of the current news. Um, uh, by now, I'm sure that you've heard that five Husker football players did test positive for COVID-19 at some point over the last couple of months. Um, so, you know, we, we hope that everybody stays healthy on the team and, and things keep moving in a positive direction. But, uh, yeah, with Justin gone, I, I just feel like it's it's not my place to be speculating or discussing anything when I really don't know a lot of information, just like you. So, um, all that said, Justin is on paternity leave. 
he and his wife welcomed their fourth child into the world uh, just over a week ago, I think it was. And uh, yeah, baby's doing well, healthy, happy. That's all you can ask for. So congratulations, Justin, um, to both you and your wife. And uh, we'll see you back on the podcast soon. The good news for you, dear listener, is that we have plenty of interviews already recorded. So we're going to keep churning these episodes out week after week as we anticipate the forthcoming football season. But uh, in the meantime, be sure to send Justin your well wishes and uh, he'll be back soon enough. And you're stuck with me in the meantime. So go Big Red. The Husker Football Fan Podcast is an unofficial, non-commercial podcast and is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. The views expressed on this podcast belong solely to the individuals expressing them. The Husker Football Fan Podcast is not endorsed by or affiliated with the Nebraska Cornhuskers or the University of Nebraska. Nebraska.